0: That every day of your life and twice on Sunday. I don't know. That word was just in my heart, so I had to pass it on to you. So I haven't preached all through the month of March. So be ready next week. We could be here till like three in the afternoon. I don't know. No, but but next week, uh, there's been a message in my heart that I can't wait to share with you next week about the body of Christ. And if you haven't signed the body, and you attend here regularly. There's a cardboard body out there. Please make sure you sign it uh, before next week and uh, help us out with that. But uh, we're going to dismiss our kids. They're going to go ahead and meet their teachers out in the, the foyer area. And uh, they'll be transported down the, to the children's classroom by way of the stairs. And so please make sure you pick them up when service is over and uh, give those teachers a chance to, to be released as well. This morning, we've got uh, a special speaker. His name is Brad Hunt, and he comes to us from Minnesota. Brad's been an Assemblies of God pastor for 30 years. Uh, The last 16 years in, is it Big Lake, Minnesota? Big Lake, Big Lake, there's a Clear Lake, Minnesota, too, So, uh, but Big Lake, Minnesota, and spent 16 years as a pastor, went on a missions trip to India, and during that time, God spoke to his heart and uh, put in his heart a plan that God had for him that maybe wasn't on his radar, but how many of you know, in our hearts, we plan our course, but the Lord determines our steps, and uh, through that, has started a ministry called Cross Trek Ministries and uh, World Ministries, resourcing and training rural pastors in India and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from him today and I'm done talking, and so would you make him feel welcome as he comes to share with you this morning?
1: Good morning, morning. or as they say in Telugu, Andariki Wandanalu, (laughs) that's greetings to you all. When I I called pastor to confirm the service I had just gotten back from two weeks in India uh, about a week ago, and I'm still adjusting to the jet lag. It's 11 and a half hours difference, but um, pastor was very gracious to allow me to come, and now when I hear this morning that he hasn't preached for the entire month of March, I have been there, and it is excruciating when you have the gift of preaching and pastoring. It is excruciating to not preach, but uh, we also believe that the Holy Spirit guides the church, and so I believe that the Lord wants me here today to plant some seeds in your hearts, and it will germinate and produce fruit, because we all know that uh, if, we are, if we abide in the vine, we'll produce much fruit. So I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Acts. Surprise, surprise. Chapter one. And pastor shared uh, my testimony. There are miracles that go along with that. And I, I do, uh, you're done at noon, correct? Typically the church is done at noon, and, and because of that, I do not want to spend an exorbitant amount of time on my testimony, or uh, that much on the ministry. It's pretty straightforward. We uh, serve rural pastors, which means that we raise support, go over to the state of Andhra Pradesh, India. We go up to the most northern district in the state, which has the lowest percentage of Christians, which is the most tribal district in the entire state. Uh, Tremendous amount of ignorance, lack of education, a lot of superstition, witchcraft. Um, Many of the rural pastors we go to can't even read. we provide everything. We provide uh, the printed materials. We provide the, the school setting. We provide the sound system, the blah, blah, blah. We reimburse them for travel. We give them a nice canvas bag at the end of the three-day school. We uh, pay, uh, we feed them every day, so we're feeding three to 500 people every day. And, uh, and it just, it's three days of investing into these rural pastors who I heard this year when when a prayer was translated to me that they consider themselves a neglected district because most ministries that come to India stay in the bigger cities. Uh, for whatever reason, that is their choice, that is their heart, our heart is to go to the rural areas and yet every year we're ministering to well over a 1,000 church leaders. And so God is touching, and they're mainline denominational pastors. They are not Assemblies of God pastors. Uh, we began uh, down by the city of Hyderabad, uh, where uh, the, the Assemblies of God district is in Andhra Pradesh, and we ministered mainly to Assemblies of God pastors for the first few years. But then the Lord directed us up to this district, and we are uh, reaching no, um, mainline, denominational, and independent pastors, and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And God is stirring them up, and God is reviving them, and uh, they're, they're begging us to come back, and, and the schools are just have such favor from God. And, and so I thank you in advance for uh, what God is going to use you to do in our ministry. But Acts chapter 1. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now turn with me to Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 14. Later, he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. And because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen, and he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let's pray, shall we? <clears throat> Father, I'm, I'm surprised, but I, I think of the words of Jesus when he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit, and in a similar fashion, Lord, I commit my heart, my mind, my voice, my thoughts to you, praying that you will communicate what you want, and we thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and to hear your word, and we pray for the outcome that you want, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I tend to do things a little bit uh, out of the box uh, in my thinking. Some people have tried to figure out why I think the way I think, and I don't know that they've ever uh, got to that point. So I would like for our main text for you to turn with me to First Samuel chapter 14. I remember sharing a survey, because a, a lot of pastors, when they hear a missionary, they uh, invite me and they expect me to show up wearing you know Indian garb and and talking about the the mission and, and saying where you can support me and, and blah blah blah. And then I, I share the scriptures that God puts in my heart, and I had one pastor say to me, "I have never heard those two verses used together." Brad. So, anyway, I'm trusting that God will use this to uh, accomplish His purpose. Jonathan, uh, Jonathan. 1 Samuel 14, it is about Jonathan, Saul's son, and his armor-bearer, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come. Let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side, and the name of the one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sina. The front of one faced northward and opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man uh, who bore his armor, "'Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised.' It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So, I was raised in an Assemblies of God church. I went to an Assemblies of God college, North Central, now it's North Central University. I love the Assemblies of God. I love the Holy Spirit. I believe that people who are filled with the Spirit will speak with other tongues. I believe that the Holy Spirit manifests in the bodies of people who have Him living in them. I was pastoring for many years and came to a point where I felt like I was spinning my wheels. Most people in ministry have been there. It's like God... I say I believe this, it's on my official doctrine. I sign my form every year saying that yes, I believe these doctrines. I said, but I want to see them. I don't want to just believe them. So I decided to start testing my doctrines. So I started calling for more um, Things during a service that would give the Lord an opportunity to manifest himself. I remember one time that I was uh, conducting the service and I was going to the back and uh, the Lord gave me some knowledge and I said, there's someone back here who is struggling with, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is, it's um, epilepsy, which is not very normal to pick up in a congregation of about 170 to 200. And one of our elders was stunned when I said that because he knew of a man back there that was struggling with epilepsy. And there were times that I would give words of knowledge and say that the Lord is a is, uh, healing a person of such and such. And and then afterwards, I would feel prompted to ask people for testimonies because I believe that God will do what we ask Him to do and will do what we speak in faith. And you say, oh man, this guy's extreme. Perhaps Mark eleven twenty four 24 is not just for the faith crowd, it's for us as well, where it says that if you and when Jesus was talking about the fig tree and, and the apostles were stunned by the fact that it withered, Jesus said, hey, if you uh, believe in your hearts and you don't doubt, you can say to this fig tree, be plucked up and cast into the sea and it shall obey you. And nothing shall be impossible for you. And And there are things that make traditional assemblies of God people uncomfortable and and I did, you know, and I, I mean, and I was there. I was a new pastor in Boscobel, Wisconsin, and I invited a man to come and preach. I didn't know a lot about him, but he had a, a good reputation in the area. And um, he came and he, and he preached. He wasn't that good of a preacher, to be honest with you. He wasn't that good of a teacher. And so I was scratching my head and I said, what's the big deal about this guy? And at the end of the service, he asked me if he could have a chair. I said. Sure. So he puts a chair down, and then he asks people to come up, and he sat them down. He knelt down. He started picking up their legs, and I freaked out. I said, oh, no, a leg lengthener. God, my board's going to kick me out of the church. I'm not going to be able to stay here. Lo and behold, the first gal got healed. She came back from a doctor's appointment the next week, and the doctor who had been her family doctor and had noted in her records that one of her legs was shorter than the other and he rechecked it and that was not the case anymore. Then our organist, maybe maybe she was 38 years old, she got up to come down for prayer and she collapsed right there in our church. God healed her of a of lactose intolerance. And she told me that now she can have, you know, dairy products. And I'm scratching my head and I said, God, this is not how things are supposed to work. It's supposed to be the assemblies of God way. Not your way. Isn't it interesting that sometimes our way is the official way, but it's not necessarily always God's way. God trumps the assemblies of God. God trumps the Baptist. God trumps, and and he will do what he will do. So anyway, the reason I shared all of this is because, you know, I'm a firm believer in being baptized with the Holy Spirit. When I talk to these mainline denominational pastors, I teach them about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's a little more palatable for the Baptists. We have a lot of Baptists that come to these these schools, and I say to them, we've all been made to drink of the same Spirit. I said, you have the Holy Spirit in you, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and every one of your denominations believes in the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will manifest himself in you. And then I teach them about the gifts, and I teach them not to be afraid of the gifts, and so on and so forth. Well, that's when many of them start getting filled with the Holy Spirit. So anyway, in my 30 years of pastoral experience, and my, well, since 2008, so almost 10 years of missionary ministry, I have experience to go along with my doctrine, and here's what I believe, and I believe it's biblical. When a person is born into the kingdom, they are born of the Spirit, amen? Okay. So if we are born of the Spirit, then the Holy Spirit lives in us. Now, I do believe it's important for us to be filled with the Spirit. We call it in the Assemblies of God being baptized with the Holy Spirit, but the Scripture also teaches us to be filled with the Spirit because we apparently can wane in our fullness through everyday life because the Spirit somehow flows out of us, ministers to others, and we need to remain filled. Okay, So, if you are born of the Spirit, I believe you have received power. You say, well, no, that doesn't happen until a person is baptized with the Holy Spirit. Well, once again, I think we all need to be filled with the Spirit, and I do think it makes it easier for the Spirit to control our lives and manifest His gifts in us when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but I still believe that you have received power because the power doesn't come from your emotions. The power doesn't come from you uh, using the gifts of God. The power comes from the One who comes to live inside of you. Somebody say, Amen. So that's what I believed. For years, I had pastored people, and I would pray in the Spirit, and I would reach out to God, and finally, I had to stand. And and I was waiting for some type of feeling. I was waiting for some type of overwhelming uh, experience. And and one day, I decided that's not going to come. I decided that I had power because the Holy Spirit was in me, And I decided to use it. Well, I don't know, Brad. Sounds like you think you're generating the power. No, 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 no. I've never said I was generating the power. I said that I believe that I had it, and I decided to use it. And here's my beef with many Pentecostal people. They believe it. They sing about it. They get excited about it. But that's about as much as they do. Many of them don't use it. So, this last time I was in uh, India, the Lord prompted me to teach the pastors Mark chapter 16 at the end where it says, These signs shall follow those who believe. And I said, do you notice what it says there? It says, these signs shall, what's the next word? These signs shall what? These signs shall what? So in other words, follow means to come after those who believe. So in other words, you believe first, then you receive. Somebody say amen. So many of us, and I'll be the first one to admit, I'm not the best at fasting and prayer. Just look at that. I struggle with that and I don't do it. And I do feel for that reason, there are times that I don't have the power I need to drive out the bigger demons, which Jesus said, these kind Don't come out except by prayer and fasting. However, the kingdom of God operates by faith. Not reason. Operates by faith. And let's face it. When it comes to stepping out in faith, oftentimes the Lord does not give you all that much assurance. He just says, trust me and do it. Pastor talked about Peter and John. I have a feeling that Peter wasn't expecting to see that um, crippled man at the gate but he came there saw him whether it was the spirit that rose up inside of him and gave him boldness or whether it was simply him expressing his faith he said what frankly every Indian pastor that, that I minister to could say I don't have any money In fact, many Americans that we serve could be the first one to say, I don't have any extra money, but I have this, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. We all know that the man's ankle bones weren't strengthened until Peter pulled him up. There was a sign that took place after Peter believed. Now, if, if Peter was like many Pentecostals today, I'm saying this a little tongue-in-cheek, we'd walk by and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And I'd jump a little more and I'd get louder. And if nothing happened, it'd be like, that oh, must not have had any faith. But Peter didn't do that, did he? He said, took his hand in the name of Jesus, pulled him up. So I started doing that in, in Monticello. We had a gal in a wheelchair, She's started, now, I wish I could say that God miraculously healed her. He did not. But I reached down and took her hand and in front of the whole congregation started pulling her up from the... Now, not not being offensive, I I was not trying to... Make a name for myself regardless of how she felt. She came up for prayer. I started pulling. I could tell she pulled back. So I let go and didn't make a big deal out of it. Nothing really came of it. But I did reach down to pull her up. You say, why is that a big deal? Because I think that's where many Pentecostal Christians stop. I mean, we're good at commanding. We're good at, you know, spouting the scripture. I like Jonathan because Jonathan expressed the same kind of faith as the three Hebrew children, and I'll explain this. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by faith did not bow or by honor of God did not bow in front of Nebuchadnezzar's idol. So Nebuchadnezzar gave them one more chance. They expressed their faith. And what did they say? Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he doesn't. We won't bow to your idol. So they got thrown into the fire. The Lord was with them and delivered them. Notice the sign happened after their expression of faith. So in their minds, they were completely in God's hands. They could die if the Lord allowed them to, but the Lord gave a sign. He responded to their faith. The reason I like Jonathan is because I think he is real, and I think his situation will relate to most of us here. He was in a bad spot. The nation of Israel was a joke. Saul had been rejected as king, and they were losing to the Philistines terribly, In fact, if you would read the the scripture, you would find out that there wasn't a sword to be found in the entire army of Israel. The only two people who had swords were Saul and Jonathan. This was the army of Israel who was supposed to fight the Philistines. And many of the Israelites went to hide in holes. Their condition was not very good. They were a bit of a laughing stock. You know what? Some churches have gotten there. Our culture tends to look down on people of faith. If you haven't found it, I have. Our culture thinks that people of faith are narrow-minded. Sometimes they call us haters. You know why? Because they don't see any power. What they hear is from some, from some areas, they, they, they hear political statements They hear strong opinions, they hear us touting scriptures, or or they see us backing away and trying to become culturally relevant, but Paul said the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. The kingdom of God is in power. Power. Our God is real and he does what he says he will do, but he's looking for people to believe him and act so that the signs can follow their faith. Somebody say, amen. So, I think Jonathan is an excellent illustration for us. They were in a bad spot. Didn't have a lot of hope. But he decided one day to trust God. So he said to his armor bearer, let's go over to that garrison. Remember the last verse was verse 6 that I read in 1 Samuel 14? And he said, because the Lord can deliver by few, or by many. So he believed that God could deliver, much like we believe that God can do anything, but he took the next step. He said, I'm going to act upon that belief, and so I'm going to go over to that garrison. And he said, are you with me? His shield-bearer said, yes. Now, as you read the story, you realize that that they did seek a sign, and I think that's wise. He said, if, uh, if they say, wait until we come down to you, then we'll stand still, we won't do anything more. This is what Jonathan said, talking about the Philistines, because they were up on top of a hill, and he was coming down off another hill, and then he was going to climb up there. Now, I don't know a lot about military tactics, But if the enemy knows you're coming and you have to climb uphill to get to him, he's got the advantage. But, Jonathan said, if they say come up here and we'll teach you a lesson, then God has given them into our hands. What a nut! That kind of a guy would never be asked to plant a church in the Assemblies of God because you have to have a team. You have to go to, to boot camp. You have to have things organized. You have to have a plan. You have to know what you're doing. You even have to have some financial backing because otherwise you will fail. You know, years ago in the Assemblies, when a guy or a gal would go to the district office and say, I believe God wants me to start a church in such and such a a city, they would look at him and say, God be with you, have at it. And then that pastor would either sink or float. But they went for it. Is it wrong to have a plan? Absolutely not. In fact, there were some things that caused failure that we've learned from so that we try and prepare people better for planting churches. But if we are relying on the plan, if we are relying on the team, if we are relying on the financial support, if we are relying on our demographics and not on God, it's not gonna be a miraculous deal. Because God is the one who does the impossible. God is the one who leads you into a way that seems ridiculous so he can prove that he is better than any situation. Otherwise, he wouldn't have led the Jews to the Red Sea. That was one of the worst tactical decisions of any military leader. They were stuck there between the, the Sea Red Sea and the... I mean, Pharaoh knew that. He said, Moses is a fool. He led them down to the water. We've got them. And God said, No, 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 no. I led them there so that you would be stupid enough and arrogant enough to come down here so I could beat the socks off you. And the Philistines, in Jonathan's case, had the better position, they had more numbers. They saw him coming, but none of that matters when God is with you. None of that matters. And Jonathan didn't just say he believed it, he acted on it. He gave himself a sign, that sign was given, and he said, here we go. God has given them into our hands. And he didn't overthink it and say, man, we don't have good tactical position here. We are outnumbered two to one. They are going to trounce us when we get up there. Does that sound like faith or does that sound like human rationale of unbelief? Sounds like human rationale of unbelief. <sighs> So Jonathan said, the sign that we asked for, God has given us. God has given them into our hands. He crawled up there, and the Bible says this initial slaughter was 20 Philistines that fell to Jonathan and his armor bearer in about a half acre, and then, as you read on, God sent an earthquake. And the earthquake scared the rest of the garrison, and the the guys who were the watchmen for Saul looked over at the Philistine garrison and, and the Bible says they saw them melting away and running away. Because God was giving the sign that followed the step of faith. So Ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Have you received the Holy Spirit? If you you don't have, uh, by the way, let me ask you this question. Do you know that you are born again? Has your life changed? Did you notice a difference? Well, I was saved when I was seven years old, so all I ever knew was church. But many of you became Christians as adults. There should have been a change in your life. And when the Holy Spirit gives you new birth, something changes and you know it. That was done by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit dwells in you. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, he is power you have received not that you have power in and of yourself but god has given it to you not because you deserve it but because jesus died for you and you you and i have got to get past this idea that we have to deserve it rather we confess our sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin then we accept his gift and we use it i didn't expect to get so loud this morning sorry pastor and I just preached a few, a few weeks ago, I so I got, I got to tell you this. this. This is just one of the most precious testimonies from India. There was a, a tall, thin pastor named Prasanna Kumar, independent pastor, about as gentle and tender a man as you've ever met very soft-spoken. I came to believe that he didn't really know a lot about the Holy Spirit. He was independent, but he he heard about our ministry. He went to one of the classes, and he wanted to help us. This last October, he was in one of our schools, and I was teaching on the Holy Spirit. We had a bit of an altar call, and and I looked over, and he was standing right here. I'm going to face you so that you can see what I saw. This is what he was doing. That's what you call a holy roller. That just shows, Pastor, that I'm not a regular runner like you are. Otherwise, I would have the muscle tone to keep myself from falling over. But you know what? God even uses a fatty like me. So anyway... But I I, I wanted to show you that because God is still doing things in people's lives that just turns them around. And this gentle pastor, he and his wife came to our, my hotel room for prayer. They're big into prayer for blessing in India. And they come to the visiting missionary for blessing, partly, I think, because I'm white. And partly because I'm from America and they think we're all rich. And partly because they've seen the power of God at work in our ministry. So he comes for prayer, and this is the part that I want you to hear about. Through through an interpreter, he said, I have been praying for three years about starting a, a, uh, oh my goodness, like a, satellite church, but in an area that is very expensive. These pastors have nothing. We have got no money. In fact, if I gave them $100, that would pay their rent for an entire month. Anyway, but he said, I've been praying for three years. He said, and I've decided to step out in faith and start one. Because I was teaching them the same things I just taught you. And guess what? Those people will not be able to look at me and say, Brad, it's all your fault because of this trial I'm going through. No, I taught them what the Bible teaches. And then God is the one who takes them through whatever. And he said, I'm going to start that satellite church in an area that's very expensive. He said, please pray for me. In my opinion, he was praying for three years because he was afraid. Waiting for God maybe to give him a sign that it was okay to start because you don't just step out and do something if you're not sure that it's going to work because then if you fail, it brings uh, dishonor on the church. Folks... Has God told us to do it or not? If he's told you to do something, and you're convinced he told you to do it, you're going to get mad at me. I don't know that you need to pray for three years. I think you need to come to a point where you decide that God has told you, and you're going to act in faith. Because sometimes, in my opinion, let's face it, some people say, I'll pray about it because they want time to think about it because they don't want to make a decision. And so they say, I'll pray about it, or I'll fast about it. How long do you need to pray and fast before you make your decision? Well, God's going to tell me when I need to make a decision. Well, that's a real nice excuse, I'll wait for God to tell me. Now, once again, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying be foolish, but I am saying act in faith. If God has told you, why don't you do what Jonathan did and say, Lord, I'll use this as a fleece. And if the banker says this, then I will know you have given us the money and and I'll tell the committee that we should go forward. If he doesn't say that, then we won't do anything. Well, that's not sound planning. No, it's called the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates by faith. What time is it? 1159! God even knew the time! He knew it was time, because I was just going to look at you, Pastor, and say, I'm done. God knows the time. Let's pray. Father, I believe that this word was for this church for today. I hear the faith and the passion of the pastor and the people. And Lord, I see the basket on the altar that says, debt reduction. And so you have someone here that you are stirring their heart to do something they never considered they would do. And I ask you to bless these folks, give them the confidence to take the step of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. I do have one thing to say that I believe God put in my heart and if it's wrong, pastor can after I'm gone, pastor can say don't listen to what he said. I believe And I don't know anything about the people here. I believe someone in this church either has the means or connected to someone who can pay off this debt. And have you ever thought of talking to that person and asking them to pay off the debt? You know you're hitting something when they get quiet, Pastor. Because maybe you're that one, and either you're a banker, or you know someone who's a banker, or you're you're into real estate and you've got the resources, but you're not about to uh, invest in this church because it's a bad investment, brother. If God is moving your heart, you invest in the kingdom of God, and you will never want because God will make it up to you. There. Now I'm done. <laughs>